Well, good evening. My name is Stephen Castello, and I'm the lead pastor of City on the Hill Forest Hills, as well as the church planner. And uh, excited that you guys could could join us this evening. Big shout out to City on the Hill Brookline for letting us borrow their uh, their office uh, this evening while we were getting some upgrades on our our camera equipment, trying to make this online experience as as good as it possibly can be. And so, um, so thank you for uh, for being with us. Uh, the, I want to give you an idea of the purpose of a vision night. A vision night, as Matt mentioned earlier, is, is an opportunity to hear more about what God's doing, to learn how you could be a part of that, uh, and then find out how to connect to that. So maybe you're looking for a new church uh, uh, around Forest Hills, or maybe you're looking to get on mission and be a part of what God's doing. Maybe God's been calling you to something. Um, We'd love to connect with you. So what you can do is you can uh, type the word connect in the chat right there on Facebook, and we would love to follow up with you. Somebody will follow up with you via message and uh, give you some more information about who we are and how you can get connected. Um, So these vision nights uh, were not what we intended. Uh, Doing church online, doing a worship gathering online is not uh, what the communion of the saints is supposed to look like. Uh, This is something different, Uh, but thankfully for uh, because of modern technology, we can do something like this. We can gather together uh, on Facebook Live and hear from God's word and hear more about what God is doing to start a new church in Boston near the Forest Hills train station. And the good news of the gospel is that even through all of this, even through a global pandemic, God can still plant a church. And so um, so uh, we began gathering as a core group last October, uh, getting together, praying together. Uh, we were seeing things progress and then COVID hit and it kind of wrecked all of our worlds. And what we had to do in the midst of all of that was begin to kind of change up some of our strategy. Um, we had this kind of big summer outreach that we were gonna do and had to change all of that and thought, well, how does the gospel go forward in the middle of this? How do we bring the kingdom of God to bear in the middle of this pandemic? So we said, well, let's shift all of our attention toward loving and serving our neighbors, connecting with our community partners like English High School and the YMCA and just figuring out what we can do. So we've been serving faithfully there and I'll, I'll explain some more later uh, about what some of the specifics have been. And so uh, we've been doing all that, been doing these virtual online vision nights. And so the question, you know, what we've been looking toward has been meeting weekly in September. And so the plan right now, as of, as of today, is that we are going to begin meeting weekly as a church in September. Um, some of the details of that we're still trying to figure out. Uh, so hit that like button, that love button. Yes, like we're excited to see this next phase and step as we launch out as a, as, as a new autonomous church. Um, but some of the details are we're still figuring out. Is that going to be some in person? Is it going to be some online? Is it going to be all, all online? Some outside? We're trying to figure out all of those things. So just stay tuned. Just look at our social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of that, and we'll try to keep you as updated as we possibly can. But tonight, I want to give you a picture of the kind of church that we hope to be and then invite you to be a part of that. So last month, we talked about what does it mean to have a gospel culture? Like, what does it mean to be a church that Jesus shapes everything that we do, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross, changing everything, how does that affect how we live as the church? How does it affect the culture that we have? And so we talked about four things. We talked about how it meant that relationships were vital, that God works in us personally through our corporate relationships as the church, that that's the means by which he's always wanted us to change, that we said, secondly, that the word of God is central, that we believe that God changes us and shapes us through the Bible, through studying the Bible together. Uh, We talked about how action is essential, that the work of God in us always ends up being the work of God through us. And then we talked about honoring 
serving people, that we wanted to honor people uh, in the way that God was working in them. So tonight, we're gonna kind of drill down into one of those a little more specifically, and that's the idea of action, that action is essential. And so, uh, again, God's work in us always ends up in God's work through us. And we wanna be the type of church that is not about us. City on the Hill, Forest Hills cannot be about us. It can't just be about the people who come on Sundays. It can't be about me. It can't be about the rest of our leaders. We want to be the type of church that is for others, that is for our neighbors, that is for our neighborhoods and is for our city. We wanna be the type of church that is for the good of Boston. The work of God in us leads to the work of God through us, that we live towards our city, that we believe that action is essential. Our vision as a church is that every person from every neighborhood would experience the gospel, that they would see the work of God in God's people, that they would see tangibly in their neighborhoods the kingdom of God come to bear. And this this is what we believe it means to be for the city, to be a church that lives outward, that lives sent to our neighbors in order that they may know and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also that the city would just simply be a better place because the work of God is happening here. And so we see this in Jeremiah chapter 29. We see uh, uh, God calling the Hebrew people to not live for themselves, but to live for the sake of the city that they were living in, which was Babylon. And so I wanna give you a little bit of background as Karen uh, read a few minutes ago. We're so thankful uh, for, for Karen and for her, her reading scripture. We, we, uh, we believe in, in being a multicultural church, being a multi-ethnic church. And one way we do that is through celebrating the diversity of languages that are, that are spoken in our neighborhood and the diversity of cultures that represent in our neighborhood. And so as she read that in Jeremiah 29, I want to give a little bit of a background here. Uh, The background is that after generations of idolatry, after generations uh, of injustice and evil, we're talking about everything from child sacrifice to failing to worship the Lord. Like there was so much evil going on among the Hebrew people that God sent them into exile. He allowed them to be conquered and he sent them into exile in the city of Babylon. So people were uprooted from Jerusalem and from other places around Israel and taken to Babylon to live in exile. And so Jeremiah, who's a prophet, which is simply someone who would speak for God. So he spoke for God to the people to try to call them back to obedience. And so a lot of Jeremiah are these letters that Jeremiah wrote to the people from Jerusalem to Babylon, trying to tell them about how they can live in the midst of this exile. And what he tells them basically in this passage is you need to lock in you're gonna be here for a bit. And in verses eight and nine, he talks about these, these uh, false prophets, prophets and these diviners who are really dreamers um, that would have these dreams and they would tell the people and they always would kind of tell them what they wanted to hear. They said, look, you're gonna be here maybe a year, maybe two years. Don't get too comfortable. Everything's gonna be fine. You're just passing through. These were kind of like the Instagram influencers of the sixth century BC. They, they had these inspiring thoughts for the day that really had no depth. And that's exactly what they were giving the people. They were giving them fluff for what they wanted to hear. And Jeremiah was not afraid to give a hard word. And I think if you translate the Hebrew here, it's kind of something kind of like Nafam, like it's not gonna be a year or two. It's gonna be a while. Try, try 70 years. Try 70 years away from home. Try 70 years and God has a purpose for it. 
God had a purpose for their exile. He had a purpose for them living in that city. And he actually meant that they would prosper as well as the city of Babylon would prosper, that their prosperity and the city's prosperity were interconnected. That even though they were not truly home, they needed to make it home for the good of other people living in that city. See, to be for the city of Boston, to be for Roxbury, to be for Jamaica Plain, to be for for Dorchester and Roslindale and West Roxbury, Hyde Park, Mattapan, to be for the city of Boston means to live for the sake of those neighborhoods, for it to be our home and for us to live in order to make our city the best place it can be. And this requires a couple of things. For us to live for the city requires that we are firmly rooted and we are faithfully present. It requires that we are firmly rooted and faithfully present. Verses five and six, Jeremiah tells the people, dig in, get comfortable. He says, build homes. Like, get excited, build homes, live in them, go straight up HGTV. Start putting up shiplap and and pictures of mama and auntie. Like, put, put up, start decorating. Go full on Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like, renovate, decorate. You're gonna be here a while. Make this your home. He said, plant gardens. He said, plant gardens and eat their produce. If you plant a garden, you don't plan to be somewhere for just a little bit. You plan to, to plant that garden and then be able to eat the fruit of that garden. We, we lived in a house in downtown Birmingham in a very little yard, but my wife was able to make a garden out of different little corners of our yard. And we, we planted this blackberry bush about two years before we moved and never got to eat much of the fruit of it. And, and so in fact, a lot of our neighbors were mad because our, our, the person who bought our house just let the, the bush go to rot and there's blackberries all over the place. They wanted to go in their yard and harvest them. We never got to actually experience the fruit of that blackberry bush. You root yourself in a place. And, and if you're planting a garden, you're rooting yourself physically in that place. And when you plant a garden, you're not just there, you love being there. Uh, my sister-in-law's father-in-law, that's a, little, that's a little weird. My sister-in-law's father-in-law, his name is Skip, uh, he planted a garden in his house in New Jersey. And he's been working on this garden for about 30 years. And a few years ago, our family got to see this garden. It's this immaculate garden with tomatoes. And, and we, he gave us some of the best oregano we've ever had and mint and all these, all these different things. And he and his family, his wife were looking to move. And at one point decided they just, it was really hard for them to leave this garden that they've been investing 30 years in. See, Jeremiah is saying, dig down deep. Firmly root yourself in this place. Live for the good of this place. Love this place. Be faithfully present in this place. Be for this city. See, to be for a city means you have to give part of your heart to that city. You have to be willing to give part of yourself to it in order to be rooted in it. In other words, it should make it hard to leave. In verse six, Jeremiah says this. He says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. You're not just gonna be there for a couple of years. You're gonna be there for three generations. You're you're gonna see your kids grow up here. You're gonna see your kids play Little League Baseball here. You're gonna see uh, your grandkids grow up and you're gonna be showing off pictures of your grandkids to all your coworkers because you're gonna be here a while. Get deeply rooted, Be, be there, be present, live your life in this place. 
When it comes to cities, and particularly when it comes to the city of Boston, there are two ways that you can approach a city. You can use it or you can serve it. You can use the city or you can serve the city. It had been really easy for the Hebrew people to just use the city. Babylon was like the best place to live in the world. It was the number one city in the world, a lot like Boston. If you're from New York, get off this. Like Boston is the best city in the world, much like Babylon. And so the Hebrews easily could have bided their time in this great city. They could, have, they could have eaten the best foods and gone to the best parks and been educated at the best institutions, but still had one eye back toward home. They could have easily said, you know what? We're gonna use the city for all its resources, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna invest in any relationships here. We're not gonna make it a better place. We're not gonna love others who are from here. We're just gonna use it for what we can. And that's how many people approach Boston. They look at the city of Boston, they watch The Departed and Goodwill Hunting and think they know it. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat some food and I'm gonna enjoy the amenities in the park. I'm gonna get an education here. I might get a job here. But then they don't really think about what they're doing to their neighbors. It's like we see this issue of gentrification. Gentrification uses the city and often forces people out who are local and then they just end up leaving again. Even if you're from here, it's, you can still use the city. You can still fail to love for the sake, live for the sake of your neighbors in love, simply using the city for what it can give you. It's hard to be present in a place like Boston. It's easy for us to romanticize a past, to romanticize uh, you know, what Boston used to be like or, 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 or what our old neighborhood used to be like or the city we used to live in was like. It's easy to romanticize that. It's easy for us to look toward an idealized future. For some people, maybe you're looking toward the day when you can, you can leave. You're thinking, oh, well, I'm only gonna be here for a year or two, so why should I invest in relationships and the people who are near me? If you're not firmly rooted and faithfully present, you will miss what God is doing right here and right now. You'll miss what God is trying to do in you so that we can live as distinct people called to serve the city, called to live for the sake of the city, called not to use the city, but to ask ourselves, how do we make this a better place for the people who grew up here? Now, in looking again at the idea of gentrification, how do we love and serve our city in a way that doesn't displace people who grew up in this, grew up in this particular neighborhood? How do we make it a better place for the sake of those who grew up here? We have to look away from ourselves. We have to say, I'm not gonna just live here to use it. I'm gonna live here to serve the city. And, and so as we serve the city, to serve the city requires that we pray and seek the welfare of the city. We see this in verse seven. Jeremiah tells them, he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. And so as we think about this, one thinker said, love the city that will never love you back. Loving and serving the city of Boston does not mean loving our city, loving our neighbors, only if they love us in return. It doesn't mean loving our neighborhoods for what we get out of it. It simply means to love in the way that Christ has loved us. That while we were still yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us that the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. We take on the same posture as we approach our city. 
And we do this through prayer. We pray for the good of our city. We pray that Boston could be the most just and equitable and fair place on planet earth because we believe it's for the good of the city. We believe it's for the good of our neighbors. Jeremiah in calling for this, this was not a very common thing to see in the Old Testament to pray for people who might consider you their enemy. He points forward to Jesus who told us to, to love our enemy. And in countless New Testament passages where it tells us to pray for those who revile you and speak ill of you, maybe in people who don't like you. From the beginning of City on a Hill, Forest Hills, we have made prayer a priority. We have made praying for our city a priority. In our first year, before we'd ever even gathered a core group, my wife and I and, and some of our, uh, our core people who moved up, Matt and Heather Walder, we, we walked and we prayed over our neighborhood. We walked all throughout around Forest Hills and through Roslindale and through Jamaica Plain, and we just prayed for our neighbors. We prayed for, for this to be a city that was, was equitable and just. We prayed for God to open doors and open hearts and open opportunities. As our core group began to gather last October, one of the first things we did is we prayed for the good of the city. We prayed for injustice to end. We prayed for our neighbors to thrive. We prayed for our neighbors and friends to know the Lord. We prayed for more Christians to come and love and serve the city. We prayed for people who were already living in our neighborhood, who we connected to, who were a part of City on a Hill, to, to put their yes on the table and come be a part of this new core group. We prayed for God to move people into our neighborhood who would, would give their lives for this, for this mission. We prayed for, uh, for you. For, in fact, if you're just kind of checking us out, that's not creepy. We're like Facebook stalking you, I promise. But we prayed for God to give us opportunities to share the hope of Jesus and invite people to be a part of this new church. Prayer drives us to seek the welfare of the city because it begins to stoke a fire in us that causes us to love our neighbors and lay our lives down for the sake of our neighbors. So what do I mean by the welfare of the city? And this is where we're gonna spend the rest of our time is the welfare of the city, the welfare, the word welfare is a really interesting word. It's actually the word shalom. The word shalom in the, in the Bible is often translated as peace. But the way that we understand peace doesn't really capture what's being said here. It's, it's not just tranquility. It's not just the lack of disturbance or the lack of war, but the idea of shalom is best understood as flourishing. This is the idea of human flourishing, where people would, would get a foretaste or a glimpse of what God's kingdom will be like, where in God's kingdom, everyone flourishes. Nicholas Wolterstorff, who uh, was a former philosopher at Yale, says that in shalom, the idea of shalom, each person enjoys justice, enjoys his or her rights. There's no shalom without justice, but shalom goes beyond justice. Shalom is the human being dwelling at peace in all his or her relationships with God, with self, with fellow or others, and with nature or creation. We want to image the kingdom of God through the way that we live in our neighborhoods in such a way that people see the goodness of Jesus. They see the beauty of Jesus. They see the, the, the equity and the justice that Jesus promises. And that even if they don't follow Jesus, they get to experience that with the hope that as we keep sharing the love of Christ, that many will come to saving faith in him. We wanna see our city be the best place it can be. This is what it means, flourishing. This idea of, uh, of people flourishing is this is what every person in every neighborhood experiencing the gospel looks like. 
We wanna seek to right what is wrong. We wanna seek to restore what's been broken. We wanna seek to renew what's in need of redemption. So the welfare of the city also leads to our welfare and our flourishing. As, As Jeremiah is saying this, he tells them in verses 11 through 13, he's saying, hey, God hasn't forgotten about you. The God who, who is your God in Jerusalem is also the God in your exile. The God who's calling you to live for the welfare of the city has not forgotten you. And in fact, in verse 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. The key to our flourishing as followers of Jesus and the key to the flourishing of City on a Hill Church is to live for the flourishing of our city. Because in that flourishing, we will find our flourishing. We believe that the church will flourish when Boston flourishes, when JP flourishes, when Rosie flourishes, when Dorchester flourishes, and and Roxbury and West Roxbury, Hyde Park, Mattapan. We believe when those neighborhoods flourish, the church will flourish. So what does the welfare of the city look like? Tim Keller talks about when a gospel movement happens and the welfare of the city is put at the forefront. He says it really takes on four things. It takes on personal conversion. Like we want people to meet Jesus. We want people, we know the ultimate problem that every person has is that each of us has something broken inside of us, a sinfulness inside of us that has us at odds with a good God. And that through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, we can have new life in him if we simply trust what Jesus did alone to make us right with God. It's not less than that. We believe in personal conversion. That's a part of people flourishing. We also believe in community formation. We believe that this good news is best experienced in community. That's why we believe in community groups so much. Um, Thirdly, it's through justice and mercy. We believe that through justice and mercy, we believe in seeing uh, the good news of the kingdom tangibly brought into the lives of those who are not experiencing it. We believe that is a beautiful picture of what it means to help people flourish. And then cultural renewal. We believe that over time, our city will become a more fair and equitable and just place through the church living out the hope of the gospel. And so as we unpack this idea of the vision of of every person in every neighborhood experiencing the gospel, this idea of flourishing, kind of I wanna break this down into some kind of some bite-sized pieces. Like what do we hope this is gonna look like in the next one to two years, in the next three to five years, in the next 10 years plus? So in the next one to two years, what we wanna do is, this is what we wanna see. We wanna see people, people meet Jesus. We're praying for 25 or more people in the next year to two years to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what, how we believe this happens. We believe this happens through each of us loving our neighbors and faithfully telling them about Jesus, demonstrating and declaring the gospel. It's not through me preaching killer sermons. It's not through having an awesome worship band. Um, it's through the people of God being faithful to love their neighbors. And, and this, this is so cool. It's the idea of each one of us would simply reach one person a year and then teach them to do the same and do that over 10 years. That is way more effective than me trying to preach and us try to add people on a Sunday morning. And if we added, if we added 200 people on a Sunday morning a year, that would pale in comparison to each person in our church telling someone about Jesus, leading them to Christ and doing the same. If we were to do that over 10 years, we would see close to 10,000 people trust Jesus Christ. So the, the most faithful way we can do this is simply each one of us reaching one person. We hope to see the 25 or more people. Hopefully I'm, I'm shorting that a little bit in the, in the next 
year to two years. We want to gather and scatter. So we believe in community groups. We want to see four to six community groups grow and multiply in the neighborhoods near Forest Hills. And we believe that this is where community happens and we can image community to our neighbors where they see that the Bible says they will know us by our love for one another. They see our community. We invite people into it. It's attractive and they want to know more about it. We want to partner with, uh, with our neighborhood initiatives like English High School. Right now, we are working to uh, provide groceries for, uh, for families in need through English High School. We've been doing that since, uh, since April. Uh, we've given out um, almost $5,000 towards that initiative over the last several months. Uh, we've been working with the YMCA to provide kids activity bags. I think we've given out almost $1,200 now um, towards that and, um, and, and, and trying to develop some other partnerships. We want to work through those partners who are already doing the work and stepping in and being and helping and being coming alongside that. And we want to see renewal. We want to build a reputation in our city where people can look at the church and see these are people who love our city and through it, there's this upward lift. Um, through our, our cards through the YMCA, I got a phone call and the guy said he didn't even get our card through the ba- his kid's bag at the Y. His friend did and gave him the card and he called us because she said that this is the kind of church that helps people. That's the kind of church we want to, we want to build a reputation that leads to renewal. Over the next three to five years, here's what we hope to see. We want to see more people meet Jesus. Uh, we want to see our, our, our neighborhoods saturated with followers of Jesus. They imagine these each as little lights in each of these neighborhoods that, that is lighting up the darkness. And so we want to see that. We want to see our, our community groups grow to closer to 10 to 12 community groups and that these community groups are in clusters in different parts of neighborhoods and begin to really image this and build this reputation of love for neighbor. We want to begin uh, looking at church planting and supporting and sending church planting. Right now, there are, it's exciting to hear about new church plants happening in greater Boston. And we, there are some uh, possibly in Dorchester. Uh, there's a church that's planting this fall in Brockton. Uh, there, there are churches planting in, in, in neighborhoods we're excited about and communities we're excited about that we're already committing to support. We already want to be a part of what God's doing there. Um, and we also want to begin sending and we want to look at hopefully planting a church in that three to five year window especially south of the city uh, in some of these neighborhoods that there is very little to no uh, gospel presence. We want to begin to do contextualized justice and mercy ministry, seeing um, our strategies and our initiatives begin to form into some initiatives that even grow beyond our church. We don't have to get all the credit, but we want to see God um, help multiply um, our, our effect in the neighborhood. We want to see um, renewal happen through establishing a relationship where the community comes to us and they see us as valuable, that they know that we are a church that is for our community. And then looking at 10 years plus, what I pray in the next 10, 20, 30 years is that we see a, a, a shift. We see a tipping point in our neighborhoods that through our church and through like-minded churches, Malcolm Gladwell talks about how anytime the, uh, the tipping point in any community is 15% to see anything happen, whether it's adoption of a new media or, or a new technology, we would love to see Boston go from three to six or 7% followers of Jesus to 15% plus, where we, see, where we see this tipping point where there's followers of Jesus everywhere. We wanna see this through our community groups, where we have 20 plus community groups. Our hope is to see a, a one gospel, commu- or sorry, one community group within walking distance of every person in the neighborhood surrounding Forest Hills. What this means is that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to know a follower of Jesus and be influenced by them. 
At this point, we, we wanna be consistently planting churches where we become a, a church planting church that is raising people up and sending them out, raising them up and sending them out to see God multiply what he's doing in, in Forest Hills. And lastly, become a community pillar that we've become such a part of the community that we see, we, we can look back and see all the ways that God has worked through our church, how he's worked through the work and faith and the vocation of our people, how we've seen uh, mercy and justice ministry change people's lives and how we've seen the kingdom of God come to bear in our city. And here is how this happens. It doesn't happen through a killer strategy. It doesn't happen through a killer uh, Sunday morning worship service. It doesn't even come through the best groups. It comes through you. It comes through the people of God saying, I will put my yes on the table. I am willing to be a follower of Jesus who digs in deep, who's firmly rooted, who's faithfully present, and is committed to seeing the kingdom of God come to bear in this part of the city. Is that you? If you're already committed to this and you're, just, you're, tuning, you're a part of our core group and you're tuning in, we're so thankful that you've said this. Maybe you've been considering, is this what God wants you to do? We pray that you, you, would, you would say yes. And if you're just here and maybe you don't even know Jesus, you've heard about Jesus and you wanna follow, you're like, I wanna know about following Jesus for the first time. We would love to help you walk through that. You can just, uh, if you wanna do any of those, just type the word connect in the chat and we will follow up with you. Let me pray for us and uh, we'll close our time together. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that uh, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We thank you that when you came, you came bringing a kingdom. And that would mean that all things would be made right. And that that kingdom has begun now. And through your people, through your church, we help others experience the hope of the gospel with the hope that the people will put their faith in you. But God, we pray that you would make the city of Boston the best city it possibly can be for the people who live here. God, in a way that is dignifying, in a way that is honoring, in a way that makes this place more equitable and just and fair. And in doing that, Lord, we pray that we could look back one year from now, five years from now, 10 years, 20 years, and we can look back and say, look, God, at what you have done. We thank you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, again, look, look to next month. Um, we're looking at our next virtual vision night being at the end of August. I believe it's August 30th. And uh, look for more details uh, about beginning to meet weekly in September. Have a great night.